0: thank you for listening to the podcast today. A little bit of a bummer of a day from a weather standpoint. It's not it's not cold out, but I am doing this from my dr- uh, from inside of my car, where normally I'd be sitting in my backyard. Now, if I were to just just go put on some sweatpants and like a hoodie or something, I'm sure I could sit in my backyard, but I don't know. I'm comfy. You know, it's a Sunday morning. I got my pumpkin coffee here. I've got my gym shorts and my cutoff tee. I don't want to go put on the the hoodie and the sweatpants. I don't like sleeping in a hoodie and sweatpants, by the way. I always sleep in gym shorts and nothing else. That's it. Just uh, so I'm, I, I like getting cold overnight. I don't. This time of year is my favorite. It really is. It's a great time of year. I said it. I don't apologize for it. 80 is too hot. 40 is too cold. 60 is the correct temperature. And as I record this, what is it? It is 54. A t- you know, tiny, tiny bit chilly. But overall, I'll take it. <clears throat> Overall, I'll take it. listen I want to talk a lot about work today about business. Um, I, I don't know if that'll chase some of you guys away. Some of you guys might like this. I don't know. I'll get a little detailed and, and uh, release some vulnerabilities here and then also tell you some stuff I'm looking for and and uh, I don't we'll, we'll discover a lot. i it's it's a tough mentality for me to be in today anyway because um, speaking of the weather, it is supposed to rain all day today and you might say, well what, you know, it's a Sunday. Football's on. You should enjoy a gray, rainy day. Here's my problem. It's it's the heart of festival season, and this weekend is two great festivals. It's the Naples Grape Festival uh, down in Naples, New York, and then also the Apple Festival over in Wyoming, New York. And you know nothing ruins uh, a festival day like rain. Even just the threat of rain. I mean, today's supposed to rain all day, and obviously I'm recording this seven o'clock in the morning, so we don't know what the day holds yet but if it even if it doesn't rain today even if somehow it holds off the meteorologists are all wrong and it it just doesn't rain today just the threat of the fact that it's supposed to rain all day keeps people away I mean really these festivals are fantastic events they're amazing they're great to attend they're great to work as a vendor they they've really been a key to our success in growing the Guglielmo's brand truly truly have been a key but um I can tell you from years of experience doing these things, at this point I'm wrapping up my eighth year of doing these events, and I guess, you know, minus 2020 when everything was canceled, so I guess it's my seventh year of doing these events. But I can tell you after doing these events for so many years, uh, it, nothing will, will will ruin a day like rain. It just, everybody stays home. Nobody comes. And you're just out. There's no refunds. You're just out. The only thing that can be good, and I hate thinking this way, but, you know, look, I mean, when, once you're in it, you're in it. Uh, The only thing that can be good about those things is typically the organizers are pretty well aware of the fact that, you know, the rain is, and and so anyway, a lot of times you get to pack up early, and quite frankly, the last thing you want to do is sit there if you're not, if you're not only not making money, but in my case with two festivals, right, I can only work one if even, if, if, if I'm even available to work one. I've got a business to run on top of both of those, so... Uh, I am absolutely paying somebody to sit at a booth that isn't making any money. In other words, losing money, which uh, last time I checked. Now, listen, I did not get my MBA, but last time I checked, that is not the goal of business. So anyway, hold on. Let me take a sip of my pumpkin coffee here. Mm. No, I am a pumpkin fan. I just, I don't love pumpkin coffee. I love pumpkin. I shouldn't even say I don't like pumpkin coffee. I do like pumpkin coffee. I'm a basic bitch. I like my pumpkin spice latte. I do. But the only reason I have pumpkin right now is because it's my only option. We, we're basically out of K-Cups around here, and grocery shopping day is today. So um, It has been fun, though, because today, uh, and I swear I'm going to get into the nuts and buy this. So far, I'm just meandering, but we're going to get to the podcast here in a second. But um, So far, today, I'm excited for the Bills game. So far, my wife, who has not given one crap about football in the entire time I've known her, has caught Bills fever which is fun because she's watched every second of every game so far, the two night games, and today's her first 1 o'clock Sunday experience where she's an actual fan wanting to watch. So I'm excited for her, to tell you the truth, because, uh, yeah, I know, right? Because it's football, man. She's into it. I love having a, like a, a football buddy now in my house. This is great. Only problem is she's a Bills fan, which is fine. I am too, except for when they play at the same time as the Browns, which so far through three weeks hasn't been a problem. They've played at opposite times, but uh, starting next weekend going to become a problem. So it's going to be some battles, and I have a feeling I know who's going to lose. So I got to get the uh, Sunday ticket app downloaded on my phone. Anyway, I said we're going to talk business. Let's talk business. I want to tell you a couple of things that I've been doing, and also some stuff that I'm looking for. What's going through my head? What I'm trying to implement, uh, and potentially even even you know use your your brains uh you know this this podcast is a small audience but it's a big enough audience that maybe we'll have some connections throughout us uh, and i'm hopefully somebody's hearing this and going oh my god this is an opportunity so all right so a couple of things so um on friday i made the decision to pass on some of my day-to-day tasks onto my couple of my most trusted guys within my facility um the uh i guess the the specifics of what the tasks are aren't that big of a deal but they they are very much day-to-day things they're important i mean they're important to the production schedule but they're more really more focused on day-to-day and they're time consuming what it has to do with is it's basically these these um the, a couple things one thing's easy to understand it's called scheduling right just what are we going to make and when But scheduling is a little bit more complicated than it sounds like because of the fact that you're running like a bottling line and you have to watch out for like ingredients and allergens. And so scheduling is there's a little bit more of an art to scheduling than, well, I shouldn't even call it an art. It's a little bit more of a science, to be honest with you, to scheduling than just picking what we're going to run next, right? It's it's more like, well, we're going to run the same bottle all day, or we're going to run the same recipe all day, or we're going to run the same allergen all day, and uh, and trying to minimize the amount of times that we change over between those different things. So that was one thing. And but But to be honest with you, as much as that is a little bit complicated, it's not that complicated, And I've got a a guy or two at least on my staff who are capable of doing that, and so I said, you know, what am I still doing this for? And then beyond that is something else called batch records, which is um, that is creating the actual work order for the next day's production. So just as an example, let's say tomorrow we're making uh, Guglielmo's marinara sauce. Somebody has to create, and it's usually a three-page document, that's going to detail everything. I mean – we're talking about, you know, see how much of this I can remember. So it's going to have things like, (laughs) prepare to to be bored. It's going to have like product ID, how many gallons are we making, what's our expected yield in packaging, uh, what's the lot code, who's working on on this, which kettle are we doing it in, what time are we doing it. um, uh, You know, that's the day before section. Then day of section is going to have the formula, uh, packaging, all the lock codes, uh, all of the what we call critical control points, which is going to be temperature, pH, you know, inversion, all the different things that go into making sure that the product is safe. Then there's going to be a whole labeling section. And then finally, what, what's called a 24-hour section, which is the section that actually gets done the next day, or in our case, two days later, that's kind of the final check on safety and quality before the product actually gets released. Now, it's a really, really, really important document. Because if we mess up that document, we potentially uh, don't – I mean, think about it. If you, make, if you mess up that document, you could make the sauce wrong to begin with. Or second of all, you could make it uh, unsafe somehow if you mess up that document. So it's a really important document. But nonetheless, it's not rocket science, and it's something that I think I've got teammates that can do. I think i got guys that can do this. So I, I passed it on to my people. And uh, both of those tasks were taking me, depending on the day, I mean, an easy, easy day that could just be like an hour uh, and, and, you know, a tougher day that could be a couple hours. But then also procurement, which is the big thing, which I passed on, uh, is the act of making sure that we have everything in-house that we need to be able to run the products we want to run. Uh, but also the second part of procurement is also making sure that we're getting the best deals possible on all of the things that we need to run what we need to run. And so that that was the big chunk. So right that the, the pr- procurement scheduling and batch records, which was taking up, you know, a decent amount of time. And I was looking at my week and I'm going, look, this is this my job here. I'm not doing my job well, is what I thought. I just started beating myself up and going, I don't think I'm doing my job well. I think we've got a nice system here in terms of how to grow this thing. I think we've been very lucky. It's been an incredibly blessed thing to watch this business grow over the last couple of years quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at it going, okay, so who do I have here? I've got, I've got me, right? I've got my partner, Tom, who's my mentor. Uh, but beyond a mentor, he's just a fantastic business partner. He's got a great business mind. And I, and I look at him And I see him as somebody who's sort of in charge of making sure the ship is heading in the right direction and looking at a year from now, two years from now, even five or 10 years from now, he's got an eye on that goal. And are we heading towards that goal? And then you get to me and I'm the CEO. I suppose I'm the day to day in charge guy, but really my focus is more on the long short term. So in other words, onboarding new clients over the course of the next couple of months, three, six month outlook, 12 month outlook. And sure, being part of those conversations with Tom about a year two years, five years and 10 years from now, of course, of course. But the actual day to day, the getting it done today, this, this business, and look, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to say that I remember when this business was something that one person could just kind of strap to their back and just bootstrap and make it happen. You know, it was called, a uh, my friend Lauren taught me a term. Lauren, what's the term? Muscling the business. That's right. You could really muscle the business a couple of years ago. You really could. I mean, one person could come in and just kind of say, like, we're getting this done today. And we're beyond that. We're, we're to the point now where there is no one person anymore that can just make it happen by themselves. This thing is too big for that, and, and I'm honored and delighted to see that. It's also a little bit scary, though, uh, because, you know, you need a full team of people doing their job every day. And we have that. I'm happy to say we have that. But uh, it's, it's a little scary when you know it's out of your hands, right? What would happen if just nobody showed up tomorrow? I can't, I can't do what we're supposed to do tomorrow by myself. No human could. So anyway, I've got, you know, my, my guys who've kind of turned into my management team. It's these, I keep saying my guys, it's these two young men, Nick and Dan, who are young but fantastic, uh, great great kids, ph- phenomenal souls, people I love being around and, and seeing be around my business. And I'm just so honored every day that I see these two young bright people at my business. And uh, and I think they're capable of handling that whole thing, everything I just laid out the the batch records, the scheduling, the procurement. I think they're they're capable of it. And it's not like I'm it's not like I'm gonna shun them. You know, I mean, they got a quick question. Of course, they're gonna have some quick questions. You hit me up with a quick question, no problem. No problem. But I I think that for the overall health of my business, I have to change my own job title. I I think I have to really become more of a CEO and less of an operations manager. I just think that shift, I think it's time for that to happen. So I, I pulled the trigger on it on Friday to finally make that happen, which means I'm thinking about bigger things. And I'm thinking three months, six months, 12 months out, which brings me to you. Help me out with this. I am, I'm looking at a couple of positions I want to create to help grow the business even further. And one of them is actually kind of a callback to something we've already talked about on this podcast, and that is festivals, events. I have this vision where we have a a full-time employee, but they're a little bit more than an employee. Maybe they start out as an employee, but I can really see them becoming, you know, listen, I mean... I could really see them becoming more like the the president of a division if this thing were to really, really continue to grow. I think we're ripe to create this new division. But when I say create this new division, I want to make no qualms about the fact that I think it needs to start out as a one-person division and grow it. And so I need somebody who's entrepreneurial, uh, who maybe thinks to themselves, hey, I really, really would like the opportunity to grow something but not necessarily have to take on all of the risk involved in that. So here's, here's the idea in general, and it is we do these events. These events are, are somewhat lucrative. They, they do pretty well, and that's with us just selling my pasta sauce. So what if starting next year we we actually pivot, and instead of just selling Googly Amo's pasta sauce at this booth, we get a whole new booth, whole new display, but now it's a craft cannery booth, craft cannery display, and we do some shelving. We really change things up, some shelving along the walls maybe. I don't, I don't have the layout figured out yet. Honestly, this could be the, the person's job who we hire, but we, um, <laughs> we turn it into like a little country store feel, and people can actually enter our little 10 by 10 booth and have many options, not just my pasta sauce, but why can't we sell many of the other products that we sell? Or that we make at craft Cannery. And there's deals that have to be put in place there with our brands because obviously the brand owners will need to buy in on this. And I, I I can tell you right now almost without a doubt most of them will because at the end of the day what we're going to do is move product for them. You know, I mean they they should end up making money off of our work, which I can't imagine anybody having a problem with that. So uh, I need somebody. Here's the position again, the creation of a division. I need somebody who's going to create a division. And their job, you know, I think maybe one negative of this job is it's probably a it is a full time job for sure. But it's probably like a like a weird work week. It's probably something like a Thursday through Monday work week you know, or like or like a Friday through Tuesday or something. But it's, that's the one thing I could see being a bit of a drawback would be I, I do see it potentially being a Thursday through Monday work week. But, uh, but essentially, I'd like to start this person by the end of the year. I'd like for this person to spend much of January event planning for the rest of the year. And I'd really like to see us have events in place for just about every single weekend for just about the entire year. Obviously, there will be some exceptions there, and some weekends are easy, some are not so easy, but um, but I can help. I mean, I've spent seven years, you know, building up a, an events portfolio that I know a lot of the good ones, and I also know what we've been skipping every year, and, you know, frankly, 52 weekends in a year, right, if I'm doing that right, I think 52 weekends in a year, I don't see any reason why we can't have something going on. <sighs> 45 to 48 weekends of the year. Right? I really don't. I don't see any reason why we can't. And and this is why I think this becomes really really special. Here's the here's the last part of this that I think makes this job super exciting. I actually think it would be a great idea to create our own brand. And what's it called? I don't know. Is it called Craft Cannery? But I, maybe. I don't know. Is it called who had, somebody said something to me one time and I liked it. They said like country kitchen, call it country kitchen or something. I kind of like that because I like the idea of a country store feel. Mm. But let's create a brand. Let's have something going for us. You know, something is our brand going to be, I don't know, it's going to, you know, it could be uh, everything is is sugar-free, everything is gluten-free, everything is allergen-free, everything is everything includes maple syrup everything includes apples like you know i don't know i don't know it should there should be some sort of a we got to create this brand right we got to create something where it's like i don't know just to run with that last idea let's say we use you know we're in apple region here so we're going to use apples in everything so it's it's um apple barbecue sauce it's it's apple jam it's apple salsa right like just on and on and on down the road of all the different condiments you can create with apple or apple cinnamon or something and so we create this brand and we uh and and you know and and i would like for this person to really head that up let's create the brand let's let's we'll work together obviously but let's create recipes let's create an actual logo let's and let's hit the road with this thing and let's make it so that you can pack up a truck and head to uh, an event every single weekend pop up a tent put up your shelves fill your shelves with all the products that we make plus our own brand of stuff and, and, you know, bring home bring home uh, uh, some nice bacon every single weekend. And maybe that brand grows. This is why I say I think it, it starts as one person. I think almost without a doubt for the first year, this is a one-person thing. I really do. Maybe two. Perhaps two. Maybe you get, like, a part-timer to help you on the actual weekends working the actual event. But but for the most part, I think that this entire division has one full-time employee. Um, and then... If it goes really well, the following year we expand. The following year we say, okay, now we're going to send a couple of event crews out every weekend. I want to have a crew in uh, uh, between Buffalo and Rochester, another crew between Rochester and Syracuse. So we'll try and do two two events every weekend, or even three for that matter. And, and you can see where I could see that could just keep expanding, 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 and now all of a sudden we have an entire events division. And guess what? You, the person who I hired at the end of 2022 – to like start this thing with me when it was just you all of a sudden you're the president of a whole division. Will it go that way? I don't know. I hope so. I think we I think we can put the resources into it. I think we can put the time into it. We need the right person. We need the right person to step up and say, "Hey, I am somebody who is, I am absolutely entrepreneurial. I can take this ball and run with it." I think the great thing about this is I've always been self-conscious of the fact that, you know, we're running a plant. We're running a production facility. It's not the sexiest job in the world. I think this job's a little bit sexy. I think this is great. This includes travel in some cases. I mean, the first year, I think the events are pretty local as we try to get our feet underneath us. But I think that it, it eventually includes travel. You know, it, it, uh, it could be a lot of fun. This job could really be fun. And I think it's for somebody who thinks to themselves, hey, I'm an entrepreneur but they just have that tiny bit of fear in the actual risk of becoming an entrepreneur, or the capital in te- that, that is actually required to become an entrepreneur, and they're thinking, hey, this could be a really good opportunity for me to to go and um, and you know flex my muscles, kind of be on my own, be an entrepreneur within an organization, which I, I absolutely think that those things exist. People who are entrepreneurs within organizations. I I do. I absolutely think that. I think that that's what radio was like, quite frankly. People who had their own radio shows and were really out there, you know, um, geez, Lonsberry, Wheeze, even Kimberly and Beck. Uh, I know they're not super popular, but, you know, those people were entrepreneurs within an organization. They were growing a brand underneath the umbrella of something else, but really they were on their own to grow their brand. That's what I'm looking for. I am looking for that. So if anybody knows, please, I mean, contact me. Shit, my cell phone number is 585-350-5788. Hit me up. It's got to be the right person. I do think if if I get bombarded with people looking for this, I, I think it's going to be a pretty intense interview process. Yeah, look, I'm, I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes when it comes to just the manual labor that we have in our plant, it's uh, the the qualifications are, <coughs> uh, will you show up? <laughs> I hate to admit that out loud, but there's been times where it's like, (laughs) can I feel your pulse? Oh, heart's beating. Great. You're qualified (laughs) for this, for this. I could see us being a little bit more picky about who we choose to actually run this division. I think if, if you know, perfect world, five or ten people say, hey, Pauly, I really, really think this could be for me. I think it's going to be a, a thing where we're going to have to go through a couple rounds of interviews because this is going to be a lot of trust. This is going to be handing you the keys to something right off the bat and saying, hey, go run this thing, you know, so um, there's that. And the the other, because the other thing, like, and I don't know if this is the same job or a different job, and, you know, I hate to say, but bootstrap early small business. I know the answer is that this is ultimately a different job, the second thing that I'm looking for, going in a different direction now, but I, I have to tell you, small startup businesses, sometimes you're just doing more than one job. It's so funny, you know, how businesses work, where it's like, at the very beginning and birth of a business, you're doing several jobs. And then once you get up to like giant bloated corporations, you end up doing several jobs again, especially at the the entry level jobs because they've just you know, laid off so many people <laughs> like they just, the actual they have so many layers of middle management that the actual nitty-gritty work is being done just by the bottom rung of people and everybody's doing too much. But anyway, the um the second thing that I'm looking for that I do I do think is probably part of that first job at first, but in a perfect world, this is a whole nother job, and that is uh, a, a marketing person. Um, you know, there's, there's look, I mean, I can sit here and tell you, what do we need? We need HR, we need QA, we need full-time QA like yesterday, for sure. We need... Uh, you know, and then I'm looking at going. Well, I need need somebody who can who can do the TikTok, right? I need somebody young. Uh, I guess you don't have to be young to know TikTok, but it does seem like the young people know the TikTok better than most. And maybe it is the same person who takes on this events gig who can. You know, I said it was Thursday through month through Monday, right? They need something to do on the Thursday. I think Friday's mostly prepping for the event. Monday's probably post mortem from the event. But you know, like, give them that fifth day, that Thursday, and say, hey, on Thursdays. You're going to spend once a week being our marketing person, and Thursday's your marketing day, and, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to create content and, and spit it out. And so, Anyway, uh, I like that idea. I think that really could melt into one job, at least at first. But somebody who thinks in TikTok, somebody who, who TikTok is their for TikTok at this point is has taken over. I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, sure, of course, they still have audiences. There's still people there, but at this point, you know, I think the content needs to be created in TikTok form and then shared everywhere else. I think that's really where we are right now. Um, you know, even, even when you're going into traditional marketing, like I was just watching this thing that I think is brilliant, this new horror movie, because, you know, I'm a fan of the horror films. But this new horror movie called Smile is coming out, I think, next weekend. And um, they sent, instead of buying traditional marketing, they sent, uh, they bought front row tickets to a bunch of stuff and sent people wearing shirts that say smile to just creepily sit in the background of these shots and smile. So think like Major League Baseball, the view of the pitcher, you know, the view that you get for the most part in Major League Baseball from behind the pitcher as he's pitching. And this company has purchased a ticket somewhere in those visible seats there right behind the plate. And there's somebody in a bright blue shirt that says smile on it and they just have this giant creepy smile on their face and they literally freeze and do not move for the entirety of the game i mean honestly these people i hope these people were getting paid pretty good because that's a hard thing to do but they did that all over the place they did a bunch of major league baseball games they did good morning america they put somebody right in the shot and had them just smile creepily for like two straight hours and it's been great viral marketing and i learned about it on tiktok because that's where it's at right now <coughs> It just is. TikTok's the thing, so I think it's, it's. You know, I'm obviously not. <laughs> I love how, I love how in touch I am. TikTok's where it's at right now. Yeah, no shit, no shit, grandpa. But what I'm saying is, thinking TikTok first, thinking viral moment first. You know, you don't want to think in Facebook terms. Don't think in Instagram. Think in TikTok. TikTok first. That's where your content gets created, and then, of course, you still share it on your other platforms. You have audiences and followers on those other platforms, but you share it in TikTok form. TikTok does a great thing for you, too. When you download one of your own videos or pieces of content that you made, it actually builds in a uh, a little TikTok logo with your TikTok screen name on it, so it actually helps you then promote your TikTok. But this is what young people are doing now. I mean, young people are... They're not Googling things. You know, for the longest time it was YouTube. They're still using YouTube a, a, a lot for sure. But I, young people for the most part now are going to TikTok not only for entertainment, but also information. They want to learn some recipe or some remedy or or how to build this or make that. Or it's, You know, they're going to TikTok for it. And unfortunately, they're going there for some information sometimes where I think that they're getting false information. I think that is one big problem with tiktok is there's nobody really vetting the information on there and uh sometimes people are just getting bad advice on tiktok too so i think that's a problem but that's we're not going to tackle that today so um i don't know this new role you know who runs this new role i don't know who it is i like i said it's something that i think we'll probably want to do a somewhat intense interview process for but um I'm I'm open to anybody, really. I've been reading a lot recently, or hearing a lot, I should say, uh, that has made a lot of sense to me because I've been getting a little pissed off about the generational sort of wars that we have, and they're not real wars or anything, but it's it's, you know, the boomers thinking everybody younger than them is is, is, uh, lazy and Gen X thinking that everyone under them is lazy and the millennials looking at the Gen Zers and saying they're lazy and the Gen Zers saying that they're, they're the ones who are going to change the world and, and everybody kind of being just really firm in their stance and not realizing that that shit happens for every generation. You know, when I came into the workplace, everyone thought millennials were going to ruin the world. We were lazy. We were going to ruin the world. Right, and, the, and and I bet you, you know, 30, 40 years from now, Gen Z is going to look at whatever, whatever the 22-year-olds are called at that time. They're going to say they're ruining the world. But I have some defense I, I've been hearing about of Gen Z that I think makes a lot of sense. And it's basically a couple of things. First of all, the notion that the young kids don't want to work. Well, it's not necessarily that they don't want to work. It's that, hey, grandpa, you won't get the F out of the way. There is a traffic jam in the American workplace like there has never been in the past where you've got baby boomers still sitting in positions of power and the generations are just starting to pile up behind them because who's going to replace a baby boomer in the uh, in the senior management position? It's probably going to be Gen X, right? Well, guess what? Gen X is already closing in on at this point what Gen X has got to be at most 20 years from retirement, 10 years from retirement. Gen X, I'm not sure exactly. Hold on, let me look this up. What age is Gen X? Hey, Siri, what age is Gen X? So Gen X is somebody between 42 and 57 right now. Assuming the retirement age to be 66, that means that there are Gen Xers right now in their mid-50s still waiting for that last promotion. Now you might say, okay, Not the worst thing in the world, sure, until you start to look at the millennials who are sitting behind them in that same line, waiting to get to senior management. And now you've introduced this fourth generation, the Gen Zers, sitting behind the millennials, waiting to get to senior management. And so what you have in the workplace overall is just a giant traffic jam. There's no place to go. You can't move up because people don't move on or move out. Instead of retiring at 66, Boomers are staying in their jobs until their mid-70s. There's boomers in their jobs in their early 80s, stopping Gen X from getting into those jobs until they're at retirement age. So they either never get into the job and retire, or they get into the job and they do the same thing the boomers did, and they keep the millennials out until the millennials are too old, and it just goes on and on. There is a traffic jam in the American workplace, and uh, so the jobs that are available for Gen Zers are unfortunately generally pretty entry-level. And frustrating. And you might say, well, look, they're young. They should do entry level jobs. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Nonetheless, they have to see hope that they're going to go somewhere. Of course, they should have to do entry level work for a couple of years. I do. I, I believe that, too. But they have to understand or see within your company that there's room for growth. They have to see the positions are available for them to go somewhere in 10 years that is bigger and better than where they are right now and 10 years after that and 10 years after that. Plus, you know, the the other thing, and this is a little bit more of just a personal thing than a professional thing, but I'm sick and tired of people blaming Gen Zers for being weak or or, or just, you know, overall mentally weak or, or just they, they don't work so hard. They Gen Zers have had to deal with one thing so much harder than any other generation has had to deal with, and that's been social media. Gen Z has had their self-esteem attacked from the day that they got their cell phones, which unfortunately is way too young, which I guess we can blame ourselves on or their parents, Gen X, for giving them their cell phones a little too early because I do think kids have been getting cell phones at like age 12 these days. But nonetheless, you, me, Gen X, boomers, me – our self-esteem, of course, we've always, always, all of us have always had self-esteem issues. Everybody always worries that they're not good enough. That's normal. When you have feelings of inadequacy, you should know you're very normal. That is a very normal thing. You are not the only one who wonders if you're not good enough. Everybody wonders all the time if they're not good enough. But it doesn't help when you hand them a tool, something for them to hold in their hand, that they can look at any time of day or night and see reminders that everyone they know is better than them. Because that's how social media works. People put on their best faces. So you You know, you're you're you wake up on a Sunday, you're bloated, you're feeling sick, you got no makeup on, you're not dressed well, you're not proud of the decisions you made yesterday, and all of a sudden you get on Instagram and you see somebody who last night had the Time of their life, and they looked beautiful and perfect, and they made all the right decisions and had so much fun. And this morning, even though it's 7 30 a.m., and their last post they posted at 2 a.m., just having a blast, you're positive that they're up probably this morning. They're probably up running a 5k. And of course, that's all bullshit. They posted the absolute most curated series of photos that they took last night, and they're not up running a 5k this morning. They're sleeping because they ate Taco Bell last night, and they're going to wake up with the beer shits in a couple of hours. But they don't show you that. You know that about yourself, but you don't know that about them. For them, you just know what you saw on social media, and it was perfection. And it has made you jealous, and it has made you feel very self-conscious. And that is something that they, this Gen Z, has had to deal with that you and I did not have to deal with, was constantly being reminded that we are inadequate. And so they have had it harder in some ways. They have absolutely had it harder. So when you say, well, they've had technology, they've had it easier, technology has also been harder. But just for fun, I will point out one thing, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. For fun, I will point out one thing. There is one thing I think that Gen Z is doing right now that is absolutely driving me bonkers. And... <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to finish my pumpkin coffee before it gets cold. Hold on. One thing they're doing that's driving me bonkers, and uh, I want to give credit where credit's due on this thought, because this thought was put in my head by somebody else, and it's something I think I was kind of circling around this anyway, but then somebody just worded it perfectly, and I thought, wow, that is frustrating. (laughs) So so now that we've defended the Gen Zers, I do want to talk shit on them on one particular thing, Um, and that is (laughs) – So it's really difficult right now to get anybody from Gen Z to actually go to work. And you might be saying, but you just told me they work hard. No, no, they do work hard. They they want to work hard. They think they're working hard. Uh, but they've got, they've got a couple things. They've got the gig economy you and I didn't have, right? They can go anytime they want. They can go make money on Uber Eats. They can deliver food. They can give rides. They can do anything they want. They've got, I don't even understand what the hell this is. They've got crypto. I say that like I know what that is, but they've got shit that they can do from their phone <coughs> on their own time and make money anytime they want. So they have no fear of losing their jobs because not like when you and I were young, losing our job meant losing our income. For these kids, they could sign up for – they could be an Uber driver by tomorrow. So if you piss them off, if you're not paying them well and you piss them off, they'll quit. These kids will quit. Like, like I mean, Do you remember what it used to be like to resign? years and years ago resigning from anything was a huge deal man i remember quitting mcdonald's like i mean i resigned from mcdonald's the way executives resign from fortune 500 companies now right with like a letter and like an, i wanted an exit interview and it was like it was like a 2 week notice at least train my replacement hand pick a replacement and train i mean wow That does not exist anymore. These kids will just leave you high and dry. No call, no show all the time. A lot of my buddies talk about that. So people are trying to get to the bottom of what does Gen Z want? What makes them feel passionate about a job? And I was listening to WXXI this week and they did a segment on um, quiet quitting. And there was one particular section in the show is where I said that I somebody put this idea in my head, and I heard it, and it's just been going around in my head, and I've been saying, like, wow, that is a contradiction. This generation has got to figure out this contradiction because it's, it's, it makes me mad, quite frankly. And that is, <clears throat> in workplace surveys conducted over the course of the last year, Gen Z has repeatedly said that something that they find very important about their employer – is that they feel a sense of belonging community and higher purpose so they want to work someplace that they feel is contributing to the greater good in the world but also sense of community they want them to be involved in their local community they want them to be very hands-on charitable if you will and they want to feel like there's a sense of purpose and and that again that sense of community okay great that's all great fantastic Here's where it makes me mad. This is the same generation who on the very next question, after saying they want to feel this sense of community and togetherness, and very next question, do you prefer remote work or working with people? Oh, hell no, I ain't going to work. Remote, 100%. <laughs> they basically, to a one, say they want to feel a sense of community, but also absolutely no, I am not get- leaving my house I will consider nothing other than remote work. Look, I'll be honest with you. I had, a girl, I had a girl reach out to me. This would have been just prior to graduation. So this would have been like early spring, maybe late winter, March, April, something like that. girl reaches out to me and she says, <clears throat> I am, uh, I can't believe I, I've i never told this. Or maybe I have on this podcast. But girl reaches out to me and she says, <coughs> excuse me, she says, I am uh, extremely interested in the local food and drink scene in this area, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse Finger Lakes. You know, She's from this area, very interested in the local food and drink scene and really wants to be involved. And so I talked to her for 20, 30 minutes and she had done an internship somewhere. I don't remember exactly where, but um, I think maybe it was the tourism center. Maybe she'd done, maybe I'm getting that wrong. Visit Rochester maybe or something, but something in tourism. And she was really interested in like attracting people to this region for food and drink and things like that. And just needed some place to start. She's just like, look, I'm just talking to a bunch of local food people. I need a place to start. I need my foot in the door. I need to really work in the local food and drink scene here and uh, and thought you could help. And I said, well, I'll keep you in mind. A few months later, we buy Redbird Market. And we go through this period of time where we're thinking, hey, we should hire somebody to run Redbird Market. At the time, we weren't sure. Is my wife going to run it? Is my mother-in-law going to run it? Or should we just all kind of be silent partners and hire a GM to run it? And, you know, none of us will get paid for probably years, maybe if even ever. But in general, you know, we'll run this store and we'll just hire somebody to actually run the store. I actually reached out to this girl. And I was like, hey, awesome opportunity to work, really hands-on in the local food and drink scene. Do you want to know what this fucking girl said to me? Excuse my language. Is it fully remote? She asked me if it was fully remote. The opportunity that you told me you were dying for (laughs) to work hands-on in the local food and drink scene in this region. You get to curate a grocery store with the focus on local food and drink. And you turned it down because it wasn't fully remote. That's a tough one. That is a tough one to defend right there. Boy, that's a tough one to defend. Really difficult. So, look, nobody's perfect. This is what it is. Gen Z, I had your back on a couple of things. I think you've had it way harder on social media. I also think you're the victims of a general professional traffic jam happening in the American workplace right now where, you know, the jobs that are available are shitty jobs. And while that's normal, while that you should probably, honestly, you should work a shitty job for your first couple of years into a career, uh, it's not fair for you to not see a future. I I understand you not wanting to work someplace where you don't see a future, and I understand that many businesses, that if you look at the structure, you look at the org chart, you're probably looking at this going, well, geez, the jobs that I want within this organization are just literally never going to be available. People are squatting in these jobs. And the person after them, is squatting in that job, waiting to move to that one. And just people are just going to squat forever and I'm just never going to get a shot. If I stay at this company, I will be 64 by the time I get a shot at senior management, right? And that's when you can actually do things and make changes. So anyway, but the whole idea of uh, (laughs) I will only work remote, although one of the most important things to me about my workplace is that I feel a sense of community is absolutely ass-backwards, and I need that one explained to me. <laughs> the, the remote work thing is is never going away, and it's good. It's really good that it exists. It should exist. Um, the hardest thing I think that we're having... I think the thing that we're having the hardest time with in this country is explaining whether it's good or bad, remote work, because the answer is that it's neither. The answer is that remote work is always going to be a specific formula what is the job and who is the person that's being asked to do that job? And every single situation is going to be different. And there are going to be some situations, I think, where remote work is absolutely the correct answer. And there's going to be some situations, I think, where, no, this, this job really needs to be an in-person job. And and we are so busy trying to decide overall whether remote work is good or bad And we're just never going to come to a decision there. It's just going to always have to come down to the specifics. So it's about doing the work and getting to the specifics. Who is this employee and what is this job description before you can decide remote work, good or bad. Because if we try and just blanket remote work in general as good or bad we're going to be wrong every single time just as soon as i convince you remote work is good you're going to come up with a great example why it's bad and just as soon as you convince me that remote work is bad i'm going to come up with a great example why remote work is good and we're just going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and the bottom line is it's just not blanket good or blanket bad it's specific to the person and the job and we just have to uh, managers i think have to understand. That that's how it's going to be going forward. Who is this employee and what is this job? And is it better done remote or not? Based on all of the information available. And then you decide. Remote work or not remote work. All right. That's enough for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll talk next week.